Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? You know, I love how Juliana opened up the service saying that, you know, it was her birthday and it was like a weekend of celebration and joy. And she wanted to choose joy in this peace. And Megan and I went to the Carrie Underwood concert last night. And on our way there, we were talking. And one of the things that Megan mentioned again to me, it was just, we were, I was really being a cynic again, if I'm being honest to you guys. I was just talking about Mormonism and talking about all these things uh, to her. And she mentioned, isn't it amazing how we have access to the God of the universe, but we don't walk around and we don't take advantage of that. And Juliana just mentioning that this morning just reminded me, like, who here believes, show of hands, let's do a poll real quick, is God all-powerful? Is he the creator of the universe? Do you believe that this morning? Can he heal you? Can he provide for you? Right? This is what we believe. This is the God we serve. Guess what? You have access to that God. You don't have to go to a pastor or a priest or someone to get access to God. You can have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And, and I think as humans, myself, we, we tend to just be going 100 miles an hour. It's all about our careers, our relationships, and we never stop to reflect and think that we can have access to the God of the universe. And I just want to remind us of that. That's actually not in my notes at all, but, but just came on my heart as we were singing because that should encourage you to be able to run this race. And we're going to talk about overcoming temptation today. But first, let's go before the Lord in prayer because I want him to speak today and I want to ask him to just speak through me. God, we want to come before you this morning and we just want you to just, Lord, just speak to us, pierce our hearts. Lord, you know where each and every one of us is in our lives with our walk with you. And Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to open up our hearts, Lord, and, and to focus our minds, to not get distracted, but Lord, that we would hear from you, that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, that I would decrease, you would increase, that your words would be spoken to us today, because it's our desire that we become like you, that we have a relationship with you, that we would just be transformed into your image, Lord, so we can just have the fulfillment and the joy that comes from knowing you and being like you. And that's our prayer this morning, Lord, and we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to do another vote here so I can kind of read the audience. How many of you have ever been tempted to sin? Aren't you guys a bunch of sinful people out there? How many of you guys have been tempted and fallen short and actually committed the sin? You know, as I thought about this series that we've been going over the last couple of months, this growing in grace, and I kept thinking to myself, what am I going to share? What's the message that God has laid on my heart? And as you guys have come to know me over the years, you probably know that I'm, I tend to be more cynical. I tend to be more like I want it to be mathematical. I want it to be logical. I don't like the emotional side because then it's just your personal opinion. And so I don't really ever feel like, oh, God's given me a message that I'm going to share with the church. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't, for some reason, come up with something to share. And I was just like, man, I can't figure out what God wants me to share 
on growing in grace because I feel like we've talked about a ton and I don't want to reiterate the same point. So then I took a different approach and my approach was this. Luke, what are you struggling with? What is it that you would love to hear from God what his opinion is and what he wants you to do? And that's when immediately temptation came into my heart and my mind. And overcoming temptation, obviously growing in grace is all about our sanctification. It's all about becoming like Christ. And so this overcoming temptation kept coming into my mind. And I'll be real, it's very nerve-wracking. I don't think we talk about temptation very much because when you talk about temptation, you kind of have to be vulnerable and you have to share what your temptations are. And so it came into my heart. I didn't know if I wanted to share about it uh, because I suffer right now with temptation of anger and lack of patience for people. I'll share a little story of you just even this week, but it happens to me every week. I'm sitting at my desk, and as you guys know, I run a company, and I have a purchase order come across my desk, and the purchase order is for a $25 gift card to send out to one of our real estate offices in California. And it's a $25 gift card, it's not very much money, and I look, and the purchase order is put in late, we have to get it there basically two days from now, which means we're going to have to overnight it. And to overnight this thing costs $21. And it's a $25 gift card. So I sit there at my desk, and I'm just like, who are these people I hire? Like, who am I hiring? Like, they, they can't look and see that you put this in late. It's going to cost us $21 for a $25 gift card. And so that comes upon me this week. I'll share another one with you. I have someone coming at me saying I owe them $60,000. And, you know, as you, as you go in this life, and you guys probably have your own experiences, the, the more you go in this life, the more you realize how broken people are and how evil people can be. And especially if you're in a position of authority or a position where people are all looking at you, you get attacked a ton. And, you know, I've just been attacked this year. And I'm being attacked right now with someone coming at me saying I owe them this money and, you know, obviously they're going to take me to court and all these things. And what's interesting, as I go through these, my temptation, this is because I talk to my dad every week and he's a pastor, he tries to be my counselor. My temptation is to react and to be, people are just evil, people are stupid, you know, I can't believe these people coming at me like this. That's my temptation. And I struggle with that tremendously. And that's not the only temptation out there. You guys might be struggling with the temptation of lust. You might be struggling with the temptation of greed. You might be struggling with the temptation of coveting what your neighbor has. You're not happy with your life in this social media-driven world. It's so easy to get on Instagram and see the perfect life that everybody else has and start developing this mindset and dwelling on, I wish I had that life, I don't have enough, and becoming unsatisfied. And as we read the scriptures today, we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And so, don't worry. Hopefully it brings you some little bit of comfort and peace knowing that each and every one of us, know, even if we don't talk about it, all suffer from temptation. Not only that, this temptation you're suffering from is not unique to you. 
It's not that you're the, I've felt that before in my own life, where it's like no one's as bad as me, no one suffers from this temptation. We all suffer from temptations that are common to us. We tend to suffer from very similar temptations. And one of the points that I want to get into today is this point of how do we escape this temptation? Because in Corinthians 10.13, it says that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And that's really what I want to drive home this morning is what is that way of escape? So when I thought to myself, I'm struggling with temptation, if I only preach a lesson for myself this morning... It would be, how do I escape this temptation? What are the practical things that I can do in my life to help me overcome this temptation, this way of escape that God talks about? And Paul, in Romans 7.15, says this. He says, he doesn't understand because what he wants to do, living the Christian life, he never, he feels like he doesn't do. And all the things he hates, the sin, he constantly does. Do, do any of you feel like that this morning? That you wake up and you, you want to be a great Christian, you want to be in the image of Jesus, but you constantly find yourself drifting and doing the things you don't want to do. And why is that? Even Paul suffered from that. And before we get into really how you overcome the temptations and what the Bible ta- teaches about that, you know, I think it would be good for us to look and say, you know, one, is temptation a sin? And two, where does temptation come from? Then the third point we'll get into is how can you overcome these temptations? And I'll just remind us really quickly why we should overcome temptation. Because there is a temptation for all of us in this room. It's the temptation Paul talks about where it's like, does it really matter if I sin? Because God's grace covers all my sin. So does it really matter if I go on sinning? And James 1.12 says this. This is why we want to overcome temptation. It says this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's a couple promises in there, a couple things to point out. One is we can overcome the trials and temptations of our life. It's not something we can't overcome. And two, our reward is the crown of life. That's what the Lord has promised us, us for those who persevere. So that's the reason why we want to strive every day to overcome our temptation. So let's get in to is temptation a sin? If I can get the clicker to go. Sorry, is temptation a sin? I think it's really relevant to point this out because temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Why do we know that? We know that because even Jesus was tempted in all ways. And that's a powerful truth for us to cling on to because that means Jesus can sympathize with everything that we've been through, and more importantly, when we get into how to overcome temptation, he's the perfect example for how to do it. So temptation in and of itself is not actually a sin. And this was really important for me personally in my own life because as you guys know me, I tend to be someone who is, what's the right way to do it? I gotta be perfect, I gotta do all these things the exact right way. 
And I would feel immense guilt thinking like about things that were wrong. But what I came to realize, it wasn't, we're all going to be tempted. We're all, give the example, we're all as men going to go, oh wow, there's a beautiful woman. In that moment, that's not the sin. I used to put that burden on myself. The sin is when you let that thought turn into action, both physical action, but also mental action, where you dwell upon that sin. When we yield to temptation, when we give in to that thought and that challenge, we end up, what we do is we end up replacing the fruit of the Spirit in our life of love, joy, peace, etc., and we end up replacing that fruit with the fruit of the flesh, whether that be sexual immorality, covetousness, greed. We end up taking action on that sin. Another point I wrote down was when we give in to temptation to entertain such thoughts, they take root in our hearts and defile us. And what's so important about this point is Matthew 15, 18 through 19 says this, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Your thoughts dictate your actions. Remember that. Your thoughts dictate your actions. What you think about, what you feed yourself with, what you dwell on, will in turn, and this is in psychology, even outside of Christianity, or psychologists will talk about this. What you feed yourself, what you, what you look at, what you read, your thoughts, when you dwell on those things, will turn into your action. And we see that being said here in Matthew, that out of your heart flows good and evil. So temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It becomes a sin when we allow the temptation to become action, even in our minds. We see that when Jesus talks about lusting after a woman in Matthew 5.28. He talks about if you even look at a woman and commit adultery, you're committed adultery in your heart when you dwell on that thought. So let's go to the second point, which is, where does temptation come from? First off, I think the thing we must clarify is that temptation doesn't come from God. Why is this important to clarify? I didn't choose to make myself desire women. God did. This is awesome. So the temptation for me is, God, you made me this way. You made me this way. This is an argument that people use in their lives. I I didn't make myself prone to anger. God, you made me this way. I didn't make myself desire women. You made me this way. Why is it my fault that I'm looking on a woman? So God, I want to make sure we all understand that God does not tempt. We see this in James 1.13. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. The two ways that we're tempted in this life, and it's important for us to understand the source, because when you understand the source, what can you do? You can then put a defense strategy in place to attack that source. The first is Satan. We see this in the first chapter of Job. We see that God allowed Satan to tempt Job, but with restriction. We also see in 1 Peter 5.8 that Satan roams around the earth like a lion, seeking people to devour. And in 1 Peter 5.9 it says, he tells us to resist him. 
knowing that other Christians are experiencing his same attacks. So by these two examples in the scriptures, and there's many others, but we can see that Satan is one of the means that tempts us, one of the sources that tempts us to do evil. The other source is actually our flesh, ourselves. We see this in James 1.14, that temptation originates in us as well. It goes this, we are tempted when we are carried away and enticed by our own lust. That's James 1.14. So we allow ourselves to think certain thoughts, allow ourselves to go places we should not go, and make decisions based on our lust that leads us into temptation. So now that we know where temptation comes from, and sorry my clicker is a little slow, Let's get into the meat of actually what I want to encourage us with this morning, which is how do we overcome this temptation? If 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that God is faithful and he's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we're able, he's going to provide a way of escape, what's the natural question? What's that way of escape? What is it that we can cling to as Christians and focus on? And I think the best and first place to start, I found four examples in the Bible for us. I think there's probably a ton more, but just in looking into this, there was four examples that I found that we could practice in our lives. The first and the best one to look at is, I think, the life of Jesus himself. I think we should go to when Jesus was tempted and see how Jesus responded to his temptation. So I'm going to read for us Matthew 4, 1 through 11. So this is right after Jesus gets baptized, right after he, the dove ascends and he's, you know, he's the beloved son of God. He goes off into the wilderness, and that's where it picks up. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." Jesus then answered the devil, saying, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I, give, I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. There could be a whole study done on this passage alone, but there's two things I want to point out that I think are really relevant to us. One is, there's three temptations that happen here. And what's really interesting when you study this passage, that these temptations, the first temptation concerns the lust of the flesh. The second temptation concerns the pride of life. That's Matthew 4, 5 through 7. The third temptation concerns the lust of the eyes, Matthew 4, 8 through 10. So Jesus is tempted in these three ways. Why is that important to point out? Because 1 John 2, 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. Jesus has given us example of the three themes of temptation that we're going to face in our life. And did you guys catch 
how he responded to every temptation. There's key words in there. He responded this way. Every temptation, Jesus answered, it is written. Every temptation, he went to the word of God. So the first point of overcoming temptation in the most relevant, powerful point is that in our temptation, we should be going to the word of God to overcome that temptation. I'll point this out that Psalms 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ephesians 6.17, this is putting on the full armor of God. Look at this. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is all about defending yourself. Did you know that the only offensive weapon in the armor of God is the Bible? Is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God? So the only offensive weapon we have to overcome temptation, to overcome sin in our life, to overcome the challenges we face, is actually the, uh, the Spirit of God or the word of God. That is the only weapon we have. And then if we look, it says Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. When we set our minds on the things above, what's happening here is that we are constantly putting our focus on Jesus. And how do you put your focus on Jesus? Like if, I, if someone were to ask you practically, Set your mind on the things above. What does that mean? Set your mind on the things above. Am I looking above and looking for things? No, practically what that means is you put your focus on Jesus. So who's Jesus? In the beginning, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. So when you focus your, your, things on, your mind on the things above, which is Jesus, you're focusing your heart on the Word of God, which means store His Word in your heart. What we see in business all the time, what we see in mindset, the Tony Robbins of the world, where you put your focus will dictate everything else in your life. So if you focus the majority of your time on negative things, guess what you're going to breed? Negative things. It's proven. There's so many books written about this. When you set your mind and heart on Jesus, you'll naturally start feeling, if you're focusing on his holiness, his majesty, his word, that's going to flow through you. But instead, what I wrote down is most of us, this is me, I'm preaching to myself here, our minds are filled with the latest TV shows. They're filled with the latest music. They're filled with the messages that culture has. And that's hard because we live in this world. It's not that you can't live. I can't live in a world that I separate myself from society. Of course I'm going to watch TV. Of course I'm going to listen to music. But we tend to put the majority of our time, energy, money into those things versus focusing it on the Word of God. So the first point to helping us overcome temptation is store God's word in your heart. Second that I found in scriptures is to watch and to pray. We see this the night when Jesus was betrayed, Jesus prayed in the garden and he told Peter to pray this, so that you will not fall, or he told Peter to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We see in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. And we also see in the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, 9-13, what does Jesus teach us to pray? He teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So one of our defenses against the attacks of the devil, the attacks of our flesh, is to be in constant prayer. And I love how Jesus says, watch and pray, because I want to point out that a lot of us were not very watchful. And what I mean by watchful is we're not looking at the circumstances of where we're putting ourselves, who we're hanging out with. We're not on high alert that the devil's actually roaring around ready to devour us. We need to be watchful of these things. Because if we're prepared and we're on guard and we're on watch, immediately what we can do is we can then seek our Heavenly Father because the battle's already been won. The battle's already been won. The temptation's already been defeated. We just need to seek and lean into Jesus and we do that through prayer. Third way to overcome temptation is to flee from temptation. you got to get out of dodge. That's what I say. This is the most practical, physical thing you can do, is to flee from temptation. I think the best and most literal biblical example of someone fleeing from temptation is Genesis 39, 12, which I put up there on the screen. Maybe you guys are familiar with this story. Genesis 39, when young Joseph, Jacob's son, was targeted by his master's wife for an adulterous affair, she tempted him day after day. But Joseph held firm to his convictions and rebuffed her advances. Not only did he refuse to go to bed with her, but he wisely refused to even be with her. In Genesis 39.10, But one day, when no one else was in the house, she caught Joseph and pulled him to her, trying to seduce him. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. That is an excellent example of fleeing temptation. Matthew 5.29 has some excellent advice for us. It says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That sounds really severe, doesn't it? It sounds very, very severe. Very painful. Here's a point I'll make to you. If the church building's on fire, do we leave? The hurricanes that just happened, what was the government saying? Get out. Flee. Why is it that we do that for our physical state, but for our spiritual state, we don't flee the same way? What does that look like practically? Well, all of us might not be having a woman coming after us over and over and over again, but it might be the TV show. Don't watch the TV show. Meaning, don't be in your house the night that TV show comes on that you're tempted to watch. Or, don't have the TV. It's a lot better than ripping out your eye, <laughs> getting rid of the TV. My uncle, I'll share a story with you. My uncle, who was um, really instrumental in my upbringing, he was the youth pastor at my dad's church uh, for a long time, and, and he's done a ton in ministry over the years. He would not go to the beach. There's nothing wrong with going to the beach. 
But he knew himself in his temptations that it was better for him, and he shared this with us, to encourage us. He didn't share it with us to say, you guys shouldn't go to the beach. He shared it to go, hey, I'm not going to go to the beach because for me, it's too great of a temptation and I'm not going to put myself in that situation. My challenge to each of you is, what is your beach? Think about that. What is your beach that for you, you need to flee from and not put yourself in that situation? Understand that as we flee from temptation, we naturally flee towards something else. And Paul tells us what that should be. This is 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Proverbs 22.3. Wisdom recognizes the danger and temptation. Here's what it says. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And the challenge that, when I read that verse, what it did for me is, we always think we're stronger than we are. Ah, I, can, I can go out, or I can watch that TV show, or I can listen to that music, it doesn't affect me. Evil is a slow fade. It is not an instant fade, usually. It is a slow fade. It happens over time, long periods of time, as you live it in, and you just start dwelling on it, and it's slow, it's a slow fade, to get to a point where all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? And it was just slowly over time you allowed these things into your life. All right, fourth and final point where I think this will help us overcome temptation and what the Scriptures has taught me is accountability with other believers. This is where I think the church is really struggling today. And the reason why I say that is I'm part of a group called YPO. And YPO is a group of business executives that run really big companies. And we have something called a forum in our YPO. I get together once a month with eight different people for four hours. And it's extremely confidential. And we go around, and not only do we go around, we go, does anybody have any problems with anybody else? meaning has any sin basically happened against each other. We go around and say that, but not only that, we share some of the most intimate struggles and details of our lives. And I told my dad this past week that I wish there was a YPO in the church. Like I wish it was that the church, we were so open with each other about our temptations, our struggles, our pains, but it's hard to get that level of trust, that level of you know, where you don't feel judged, but you feel loved. But we're called to do this. We're called to hold each other accountable. And listen what Galatians 6.1 says. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them or restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's the key. The spirit of gentleness Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Hebrews 3.12-13. Take care, brothers, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Jack shared that he just would long for you guys to come out on Wednesday nights and come out on Sunday mornings. 
Because there's only so much ironing and sharpening iron that we can do right here where Luke is talking to you. Hopefully it's the Lord speaking to you in some of it. But the point being, when we live our lives together in a small group setting, when we live our lives where we're actually sharing our struggles with one another, our burdens with one another, our joys, our successes with one another, there's a lot of power in that. In my study of the scriptures and understanding, there's three ways to really build a strong, strong relationship with Christ. One is to be in his word. Two is to be in communion with prayer. And three is to be in fellowship with believers. When you study scriptures, that's what you see again and again and again. Those are the three ways to where we can really come to a stronger relationship with Christ and be in his image. And I'm going to close with this application or this challenge now that we know these are the four practical ways we can help ourselves overcome temptation the challenge i have to you is to commit this week to spending time each day storing god's word in your heart and praying i'm going to tie it back to what juliana said at the beginning we have access to the god of the universe why would you not want to spend time with him Why would you not want to get to know him? His word is living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it doesn't return void. So though it's boring, it's boring, or at least for me sometimes, when I'm reading, I read the whole page, and I was like, I forgot what I even read. I don't even remember what I read. That's real. That's real. I'm not expecting you to walk out of here and go, I just love reading the Bible. It doesn't happen that way, right? But what happens is God's promise is it won't return void. So if you are disciplined and you force yourself to go to the gym, it's painful. You force yourself to read the Bible. If you consistently do it and you're disciplined, it won't return void. And the power beyond even what we can describe will start happening. It will start renewing your mind as Romans 12 talks about. Second, I want each of you to conduct a spiritual audit in your life. So anybody been through an audit in um, finances? I mean, they look at everything. They look at everything. I want you to audit your life. TV shows you're watching, the music you're listening to, the friends that you're hanging out with, the money you're spending, your calendar. Audit it. This is not a a lesson to go, what you're doing is wrong. That's not what this is at all. It's to audit it to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a place where you'll be overcome by temptation. And to make sure that you've scheduled time to be in the Word of God, to pray. Put that on your calendar. Commit your time to this last point, which is join a small group. I almost put... Find an accountability partner, but I took that away because I want everybody to join a small group. But you could find an accountability partner within the church, but if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. There's only so much we can take away and learn from the preacher preaching from stage. Most of our growth will happen in our everyday lives, sharing each other's joys and burdens, and that's not going to happen if you're not in a small group. And again, I'll point out, sometimes small groups aren't the best. They're not fun. You got got to commit to it. 
And once, out of the commitment comes the joy. Everything I've experienced in my life, it's if you stay dedicated and committed, that you reap the fruit, the harvest, the joy that comes out of that. So that's my challenge to all of us this morning, that we would do that so we can overcome temptation. So ultimately, if I read it again, because I think we should... Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's why. So let's self-audit ourselves. Let's join small groups. Let's go before the Lord in prayer today. God, we thank you just for allowing us the opportunity to even wake up this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would just use your word to encourage us, that you would just... um, Help us be doers of the word and not hearers. Lord, help me be a doer and not just a hearer. Help us have the discipline, Lord, to spend time in your word every day. I pray that a special prayer that you would just make it easy for us, Lord, and joyous for us to spend time in your presence with you through your word and through prayer. That you would bring it to our hearts and minds constantly this week. That we wouldn't you know, get lost in our day-to-day and forget about it, Lord, but that you would bring it to our hearts and minds through your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would just pour a special blessing on this church, Lord, that you would allow us to just be able to hold each other accountable with a gentle spirit, that we would encourage and exhort one another and be one another's champion, Lord, as we each try to pick up our cross and follow after you. And we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Luke, for that 